into our teaching time today where we're going to hear just the big story. And we're going to continue in our series, Road Trip. And I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 22, verses 2 through 8. And here's where we're at in the, in the scriptures. It says, Now Balaam, or Balak, son of Zippor, saw all of Israel had done to the Amorites. Moab was terrified of the people because they were numerous. And Moab dreaded the Israelites. So the Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde will devour everything around us like an ox eats up the green plants in the field. Since Balak, son of Zippor, was Moab's king at the time, he sent messengers to Balaam, son of Beor, at Pethor, which is by the Euphrates, in the land of his people. And Balak said to him, Look, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the surface of the land and are living across from me. Please come and put a curse on these people for me because they are more powerful than I am. I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. The elders of Moab and Midian departed with fees for divination in their hand. They came to Balaam and reported Balak's words to him, and he said to them, Spend the night here, and I will give you the answer the Lord tells me. So the officials of Moab stayed with Balaam. Let us pray. God, you are good. You love us and you care for us. And right now we expectantly wait and want to hear from you. Speak to us, O oh God. Help us to believe you. Help us to trust in you greater today. Give Richard the ability to speak clearly. Give him the, just the words that you have put on his heart. Help us to hear from you. Thank you for your love and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I am a very strong believer in a pinky promise. Okay. For those of you that don't know what a pinky promise is, it's kind of, you can promise somebody something, but it's not real until you lock pinkies. Okay. <laughs> it's just, a, it's, just, it's a fact, right? Now some people kind of go a little deeper than just a pinky promise, right? Because you can lock pinkies and that's how you seal it, right? But if you really want to double seal it, each person kisses their thumb and then you connect the thumbs, right? It's, listen, I'm a firm believer. So, hey, don't knock it till you try it. If you want to promise somebody something, seal that bad boy with a, with a pinky promise and then touch the thumbs, right? Um, but the the, let's say, punishment of not fulfilling a pinky promise is followed with hurt, disappointment, anger, bitterness. And depending on who you are, you lose a pinky, okay? <laughs> you break a pinky promise, not only do you hurt somebody, but you get hurt as well because, depending on who you are, like myself, because I'm a bit extreme sometimes, you need to lose a pinky, okay? Now, listen, I don't want to be up here lying to you guys. So I'll be honest with y'all. I've broken a couple pinky promises. <laughs> Thankfully, these bad boys are still intact. So, you know, hey, maybe that says something about a pinky promise. I don't know. We'll get into that later. But the point is, though, we can all relate to having a promise that's been broken to us before. And the result of that broken promise 
usually does some sort of damage, whether it's hurt, you know, you feel upset, you lose trust in that person, or whatever the case that is. And in some cases, you might lose a pinky. But I'm glad that God doesn't forget his promises, that he delivers when he says he is going to do something, that he keeps his word. I'm thankful that his love and faithfulness is so deep that it never ceases and that he is a promise keeper. <clears throat> so we're coming up on the end of our road trip series. Hey, we saved the best for last, maybe, huh? Maybe that's why I'm up here on week six. I had to do it. Um, but no, we're coming up on the end of, in, end of our road trip series, um, and a lot has changed since the beginning. Now, usually, you know, like in the beginning of the show, usually on Netflix, if you start something, they kind of go previously on, and it gives you that option to skip it. About nine and a half out of ten times, I'm skipping it, right? I'm not the kind of person that, like, you saves you like five minutes, too, like, I just, it's a waste of my time, but this morning, we're going to do a little previously on, and I'm going to catch you guys up and kind of go through what we've talked about so far. For our, so our first stop, the Israelites were upset because they were hungry. Second stop, the Israelites opposed Moses and his leadership. Our third stop, they were scared about where they were, where they were being led to. They didn't trust that God was taking them to the right spot. Um, our fourth stop, they were thirsty, and they questioned why they even left Egypt. They thought that for whatever reason, being a slave was a whole lot better than being a little thirsty. Um, our fifth stop last week, uh, the Israelites had a snake problem. Deadly terrified of snakes, right? If you, you, want me to, you want to see me move, okay? I'm a bigger guy. Might not be the fastest. And even with the pulled hamstring, which, by the way, still isn't at 100% yet, Okay. Working through that still. It's been a bit of a struggle. Um, but yeah, no, they had a snake problem. And I mean, you want to see me move, put a snake on the floor, and I'm gone. I'll be the, I'll be the first one out of the door. Um, I just got to be faster than the next person, right? That's kind of the mentality there. And this week, we're going to stop in Numbers 22, and we're going to kind of go through uh, chapters 22, and we're going to go through 23 and 24 as well. We're going to touch down a little bit in 25, but not too much. Um, so Balak, who is the king of Moab, he's worried about the Israelites and the fact that they are, you know, next to his kingdom. He's, he's fearful for his kingdom and his nation and everything that he's built. He's worried that there, you know, something is going to happen. And Kyle kind of read that for us. Um, so he sends these messengers to go to this pagan prophet named Balaam so that he can, you know, put curses on the Israelites. And, and hopefully that'll kind of give Balak the advantage he thinks that he needs against the Israelites. Uh, so I'm going to read Numbers 22, 12 through 14. It says, But God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on these people because they are blessed. So the next morning Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, Go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. So the Lord goes to Balaam, and he says, don't go, don't go with them because the Israelites are blessed, right? Those are my people. Don't put curses on them. So Balaam listens and tells the, the people to go. You know, he says, I can't go with you. Balak sends even more people the next time. And we're going to pick that up. We're going to read 15 through 20. It says, then Balak sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, 
This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord, my God. Now spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. That night, God came since men have come to summon you, go with them, but do what I tell you. So Balak sends even more people. Sends more people, promises more money, says, hey, I'll give you whatever you want, just with me. Now Balaam, instead of telling them to go away, because that's what God told him to do in the first place, right? When, when, when Balaam first asked, God said, no, don't go with these people. My people are blessed. Do not put a curse on them. Don't do it. But Balaam kind of uses a tactic here that I used as a kid quite often. If you don't get what you want the first time you ask, just keep asking until they say yes. <laughs> Anytime my parents told me no, I just, I just kept asking. Just kept, just kept asking, just kept it rolling. And eventually, my parents would get annoyed enough that they would say, fine, just go. Do what you want. A little side note, it even works as an adult, too. If I, I just ask Amanda enough, eventually she gets annoyed enough, and she lets me do it. <laughs> it might not be the best strategy, but it works. So that's what happens. Balaam knows not to go. But he's so enticed and tempted by the riches and the, and the promise that Balaam gives him that he'll give him whatever he wants, that he goes and asks God one more time. And God kind of just goes, fine, go with them. But do what I say, like do what I tell you to say. Say what I tell you to say. So Balaam loads up his donkey and starts heading towards his new destination. Kind of sounds like an old story that we kind of know, right? <laughs> Not quite the same story, but hey, there's there's. Some and there's a donkey and they're going on a trip. Hey, never know, right? So they set off on this trip, right? And the donkey sees an angel in the road three times, warning him not to continue on the path. And the donkey does all sorts of tricks to try to steer Balaam off the path to not keep pushing forward. Balaam gets so upset, he's so motivated and determined to get his money to go put curses on his people to get whatever he wants that he beats his donkey each time the donkey tries to move the path and Balaam doesn't quite catch the hint that the donkey's trying to give him. The donkey tries to warn Balaam three times. This is kind of like you're on a road trip and you're going along and you see the sign that warns you about road work ahead and it says like left lane closed or the next two lanes are closed, right? And you're going... And you know you should get over. You're in the left lane. You're like, I know this lane is. I should just move over now so that I don't cause any problems when I get closer. It's usually a good time, but most of the times you get those people who don't change their path. They just keep going. They're thinking, oh, I got time. I'll be able to switch once I get closer. And those cones just get closer and closer and closer before the next thing you know, you're stuck. It's too late. And one, you just kind of look like a jerk. Now you're holding up traffic, causing all these problems, and it's like, it's always that one guy, and 
If you're lucky enough, you get someone who like me who lets everybody in no matter what. As much as it annoys the people in the car that I'm with, it's like, just keeps the flow going, like, you know. But that doesn't change the fact that they should have took the sign sooner, right? It's like, here's your sign. Or you get the, the road signs that tell you, you know, rough road ahead, you know, slow down or something. Or, like, the like it has those dips, and you just kind of are just flying through. And, you know, and it's like, next thing you know, everyone's in the car complaining about being car sick. And you're like, well, tough stuff, right? <laughs> um, and that's what the donkey was trying to do. He was trying to warn Balaam to stop pushing ahead, to quit going on the path that he was going because Balaam was on a rough road. He needed to change his path or turn around. And sometimes the signs are very clear, and sometimes the signs aren't very clear because it's coming from a donkey, right? And you're thinking, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Like, why? What is, what is he doing? You know, the donkey is just supposed to just take him where he's supposed to go, but he's not doing that. And even when you miss a road sign and miss your turn, God always gives you an opportunity to turn around. Just because you've missed the first sign doesn't mean you've missed your chance. God gave Balaam three chances, and you might even argue a fourth chance when the donkey ends up talking to him. Spoiler alert, we'll be there in a second. It's not much of a spoiler, don't worry. You know, when, when the donkey actually talks to him. Um, but just because you missed your first chance doesn't mean that was your only chance. But continuing the story, God then opens the donkey's mouth, and the donkey asks, why are you beating me? Have I ever done this to you before? And Balaam answers and says, no. A little side note one more time. Why is Balaam just talking to the donkey like it's a normal thing, <laughs> right? The, the second the donkey starts speaking to me, I'm freaking out for a second. Like, well, hey, what, what's going on here? But Balaam says, no, you know, he, he just acts like it's normal, and then God opens Balaam's eyes to see what the donkey saw. Roger Staubach, who led the Dallas Cowboys to the Super Bowl victory in 1971. Okay, a few few cowboy fans in here. We'll We'll pray for you guys later, don't worry. Admitted that his position as quarterback, who didn't call his own signals, was a source of trial for him. Coach Landry sent in Every play, he told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could he change the play. Even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football strategy, Pride said that he should be able to run his own team. Roger had a decision to make. Would he allow Pride to rule his life and ignore his coach, making himself the star, or would he listen to the coach and do what he wanted? Staubach later said, I face up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Balaam had a choice to make even before he decided to leave. Was he going to obey God, or was he going to let his own prideful self lead what he was going to do? God told him no the first time, and that was final. But instead, he went after asking God a second time. And it was his selfish pride and desires that made him do that. And this harsh treatment of his donkey was another repercussion of the same mindset. He wanted to go and see Balak. He wanted the money, the riches, the fame for doing what he was going to do. And he was going to do whatever it took to get there, whether that was beating his donkey or not. So when Balaam saw the angel and kind of saw what the donkey was trying to do, he kind of had a, uh uh-oh, 
it like clicked for him, right? He finally ca- caught on to the sign that God was giving him. And, you know, that's when he, he repented and, and humbled himself before the angel. Then the angel tells Balaam that the path that he was on was a rough road. The angel said, the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. And decides to repent, and, and God tells him to go, but to, he must only say what the Lord tells him to say. And then we finally get the great meeting, right? Balak and Balaam finally get together and meet. The trip has been... You know, he's made that long trip there. And Balaam tells Balak that the Lord told Balaam that he can only say what God wants him to say. But Balak doesn't care and tells Balaam to put curses on the Israelites. Balak is so focused on doing what he wants and putting the curses and protecting his people that he brushes off Balaam's warning and, and God, Balaam's talk about God and only saying what God wants him to say he misses out on his son to help correct his path. So then Balak then offerings to God, and Balaam goes to put the curses on the Israelites, but instead of putting the curses, Balaam puts blessings on the Israelites all three times. In his attempt at curses, he actually says things like, and in Numbers 23, 9 through 10, it says, From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them, I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations, who can count the dust of Jacob, even the fourth of Israel. Let me die the death of the righteous, and may my final end be like This is a blessing of how numerous Israelites have grown to be. This goes back to God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 26.4, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. In Numbers 23, 19 through 24, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob, no misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. Put them out of Egypt and strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omen against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness, they rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest until it devours its prey and drink its blood of its victims. In Exodus 3, God tells Moses that he will deliver his people from Egypt and deliver them to the promised land. And that's exactly what God was doing, and God eventually does. He was faithful and a promise keeper to what he said he was going to do. That God wasn't man and wasn't going to change his mind despite the Israelite disobedience, just like how the Israelites were disobeying God, and that, wasn't, that he wasn't going to give up on them. Numbers 24, 9, it says, Like a lion, they crouch and lie down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse them. May those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed. In Genesis 12:3, God tells Abraham that those who bless him will be blessed, and those who curse them will be cursed. And that's what we end up seeing happen all through this journey, and even in the story here.
in Numbers 24, 17, it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheath. This is Balaam's prophecy of Jesus. It says that Balaam sees him, but not now. Jesus is described as a star and a scepter. Describing him to be as glorious as a star and the authority to rule all. And that Jesus will have authority over all the nations. Balak then gets mad at Balaam. He goes, what are you doing? He said, I asked you, I told you to put curses on these people. And all you're doing is putting blessings on them instead. Balaam kind of goes, duh. Like that, that's what I told you I was going to do. God told me to put blessings on those people to say what God wants me to say. And Balak, you know, tells Balaam to go, to go away. To, you're not, I'm not paying you because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Just go. Like Balak was done with it. But Balaam first tells him what the Israelites are going to do to Balak. All while this is happening, the Israelites are partying and doing all these naughty things with all the Moabites. And we see that in Numbers 25, 1 through 3. It says, while Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger burned against them. It's kind of ironic, this whole situation, right? The whole time, God has been protecting the Israelites, putting blessings over them instead of curses. And the whole time, what have the Israelites been doing? Partying up. Yep. Indulging in sinful actions and disobeying God. But that's the whole point. It's right there in that sense. That God's love and faithfulness to us is so deep that he keeps his promises and still loves us despite whether or not we are obeying or disobeying him. And this is continued when Jesus comes to us in human flesh and fulfills the promises even more and fulfills that love that God continues to have for us. Some of you today may have felt like you've blown it, that you've missed your turn. Today this is your chance, that even when you blow it in the future, God will still prove faithful and true. Don't allow awareness that you have messed up to stop you from turning back to God. In fact, God may even turn curses into blessings because that's the type of God who wants you to turn to him. So then what's our next move? What is our, what is our call to action? That we must trust in God's faithfulness to us and be reassured by his love for us. That if we humble ourselves, that we may be able to see the signs and the protection that God lays before us. And that we can live our God, live out our God on the go motto. The outcome that we can expect to see through all of this and the change in our community is that we can reflect God's faithfulness through the way that we act. And that the faith that we show to others can lead people to Jesus. So that then maybe that they can see the signs and the protection that God has laid before them. Israel, several times throughout the book of Numbers, felt like God didn't keep his promise that he wasn't being faithful, and that attitude brought with, its own, brought with it its own problems. But ultimately, God was being faithful. God was keeping his promises because they were brought out of Egypt. They were led to the promised land. Led to the promised land. Might not have been easy and pretty, 
But hey, no road trip is ever easy and pretty. God's love and faithfulness to us is so deep that he keeps his promises despite us being obedient or disobedient. Will you pray with me? I would just thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for being a to do something you do. And God, we thank you for sending Jesus to be an example for us, to be a sacrifice for us, to show that continued love and protection that you've always given us. <clears throat> Turn ourselves over to you that we can humble ourselves and, and immerse ourselves in that love that you have for us so that we can see the signs and see the protection that you have for us. And in your name, amen.